With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, everyone. A-U-M. American Underground Network. The primary reason why the individual citizens of a country create a political structure is a subconscious wish or desire to perpetuate their own dependency relationship of childhood. Simply put, they want a human god to eliminate all risk from their life. Pat them on the head, kiss their bruises, put a chicken on every dinner table, clothe their bodies, tuck them into bed at night, and tell them that everything will be all right when they wake up in the morning. This public demand is incredible, so the human god, the politician, meets incredibility with incredibility by promising the world and delivering nothing. So who is the bigger liar, the public or the godfather? All revolutions have been led by young people. If you just think of the TV images of whether it's Tiananmen Square or whether it's the uh, revolts in Central America or Europe, it's the young people, it's the college people who are more principled and not locked in and they're not embedded with the government. They are the ones who are concerned about the future because the future is theirs. My research has shown at this point that the future laid out for us may be just about impossible to change. I do not agree with the means by which the powerful few have chosen for us to reach the end. I do not agree that the end is where we should end at all. But unless we can wake the people from their sleep, nothing short of civil war will stop the planned outcome. It's the National Collective Consciousness Show with Dee Dee Farrell in Portland, Oregon, Jim Condit Jr. in Cincinnati, Ohio, Steve Harris in Charlotte, North Carolina. Now, live from Evanston, Illinois, your host, Fred Smart. Thanks, everyone. A pleasure to be back on a very historic time in our country's history. It's probably a good thing James Corbett did not come on last week because uh, the kind of investigative activism and reporting and documentation uh, that James does uh, is at the hallmark of this awakened awareness that is sweeping uh, our world all across the country. And we're, we're led to this day where the Senate hearing took place between Christine Ford and, uh, and uh, James, uh, Judge Kavanaugh, uh, quite a circus. If you ask, ask me, and uh, as I shared with everyone about a week ago, I had a long conversation with Bob Schultz, We the People Foundation, uh, last week, and he shared with me that it was Judge Kavanaugh who ruled against We the People's right to petition in the We the People right to petition lawsuit many, many years ago, of which I was one of thousands of plaintiffs. But uh, 
you know, what goes around comes around. I, I, I do not believe this, this, uh, loose lady's testimony. Uh, but I'm not a big fan of Kavanaugh at the same time, deep state actors, uh, the hanky panky of the, of the democratic party and whatever. Uh, but all these machinations and, and, and the crazy ups and downs of deep state actors, uh, a guy like James Corbett, our guest tonight, has been very, very good and astute at uh, very methodically and studiously and professionally using these simple technologies, digital uh, video, audio, link references, and, 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 and very deep research to come out with a, a really tremendous document, do, documentary called 9-11 War Games. And we'd like to get behind this documentary, have it spread out far and wide. Uh, it, it's extremely well done. Uh, uh, and uh, we're, we're on, James. Thank you for, for coming. Sorry about the hiccup last week. I know you're, what is it, about uh, 10, 10 your time there? In, in Japan, that's James? right. It's that's right. It's 10 a.m. in Japan on Friday morning. So uh, welcome to Friday. Friday morning. Okay, man. Well, uh, top of the morning to you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, you know, you know, I, I, I know that you were uh, that 9-11 conspiracy theory uh, video, uh, which is now approaching 4 million views, if not higher. I one of the best four to five minute clips on 9-11. It, it went viral many, many years ago, and you've done so much work on 9-11. But what made you, I guess maybe it's 11th, you know, the 17th anniversary, I don't know, but you really did a tremendous job with this new documentary, 9-11 War Games. What, what prompted you to get that in the can again? Well, thank you very much for the kind words for this. I did put a, a lot of effort into this, as I hope is evident from the documentary itself. Tremendous but, amount of effort, yeah. It's, yeah, well, I think uh, the thing that I'd like to stress about this is that n- n- not really any of this is my own original research that I'm uncovering for the first time. Yeah. A lot of this has been known, and, and these pieces have been like cookie crumbs spread out through various works that have been collected online yeah. at this point. But I didn't see anyone taking all of those cookie crumbs and putting it together in a in one package that people can use hopefully as a resource as a link to say to someone else hey have you do you know about the 911 war games there was no there was no real information package like that and i thought that was a great disservice to this material because one thing that i've noticed in my many years now of being in the 911 truth movement however you want to define that is that unfortunately 911 truth has become in the minds not only of the general public, but of 9-11 truth researchers themselves to a large extent, it's just about the buildings. It's just about the buildings and the way they collapsed or exploded or what have you. And that's it. And that's the only thing people talk about anymore, which is, it's horrible to me because there is so much more information out there about 9-11 on so many different topics um, that obviously 9-11 was not just a single thing that happened on a single day. It's this point in time at which all of these various stories converge, and then, of course, they, they go off into the Afghan war and the Iraq war, and to form the basis of our you know, modern world. And so few people are putting those, those dots together. They're all just talking about the buildings. And so my, my work for the last several years has been to try to broaden people's scope on what 9-11 truth is even about. And one example of that was a documentary I did a couple of years ago talking about 9-11 trillions, the, the money trail of 9-11. Uh, 
which, oh, yeah. by the way, the 9-11 Commission report said was of little practical significance. Well, no, I think it's absolutely central to the story of 9-11. So there's a lot on the 9-11 money trail that, again, a lot of researchers have talked about over time, but I wanted to put that together in a documentary. I did a, a, a documentary series a, a couple of years ago on 9-11 um, uh, suspects, i.e. people other than... The oh, I've been hijackers. following that. I've been following that. Right. That appears on my YouTube channel. Very well done. Excellent. Good. Well, again, I think there's a lot of interesting people that need to be looked into. And if there there was any sort of justice for 9-11, these are the types of people that would be going on trial for their participation in the events of that day. Uh, There's this 9-11 war games. And I have more ideas in the future. I want to continue pursuing this because, again, 9-11 is about more than just in the building. James, uh, I don't want to go down this this rabbit hole, but uh, where are the planes? Uh, my my question would be what planes? That's the question. What planes? Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I don't I don't have an answer to that. I don't know what was used on that day. Then again, no one who wasn't involved in the plot really knows. And these yeah. are the types of forensic details that obviously create entire movements and entire. I mean, people spend their entire lives researching this in the same exact same way people spend their entire lives examining the JFK assassination. And there are people now who yeah. have spent literally half a century researching the, the events of that day and uh, reading the hundreds of books that have been written about that and however many thousands of hours of documentaries to going over every single piece of evidence that is available to us today, which who knows how much it's been manipulated and by whom and in what way. So, I mean, there's so much to talk about with regards to that, that now for someone like myself who's interested in JFK, but just I I haven't read the hundreds of books that are out there and, you know, know that someone said in 1972, this thing that was debunked in 1976 by this other person, blah, blah, blah. I mean, it's just such a morass of information that it's difficult to even dip your toe into. And unfortunately, I think that's what 9-11 Truth is becoming. And it's a lot about this forensic and physical evidence and video evidence that Again, how much can we rely on this? How much do we know about that? We don't have direct access to any of this physical detail. So it's the type of thing that gets people arguing and arguing generally with each other, generally with people yeah. who gen- who believe, yeah, there's, I mean, clearly the 9-11 official story is wrong and we've been lied to, but now let's argue about, you know, which theory based on evidence that, again, we don't have direct access to, we're going to believe or disbelieve. It's just, it's really frustrating because this is how movements can be derailed. And that's why I think concentrating on things other than just just the buildings and just the planes. I mean, again, thinking about the bigger geopolitical implications of 9-11 is clearly what 9-11 truth and justice should be aimed at. Because 9-11, again, is not about those particular forensic physical of who did this and why. That's the question. It's not a, it's not a how done it. It's a who done it. Right, that's the the core of the issue. Now, forget about the buildings, forget about the planes, but your think of your documentary. Uh, it was so refreshing to see all of this information put together in such a neat uh, package that 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 you could follow follow along and say, oh wow, oh wow. I mean. Deal politically, it, it was it covered the whole, you know, North uh, Canada, North America. I mean, basically, it's it was a global web, 
of of of, of training and, uh, and 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 preparations that took years to to pull off. And, and we're Absolutely. not even talking about yeah. the buildings coming down. No, planes, exactly. No planes. We're just. Uh, I mean. Yeah, we're talking about the resources. Well, for people who don't know or haven't seen the documentary yet, yeah, we're talking about these war games and exercises that were taking place, not only the ones that were taking place on the morning of 9-11, and there are ones that we know about and we have some degree of detail and some declassified documents about some of the war games and exercises that we know were taking place on 9-11. There are others that we don't know for sure. We don't have the documentary evidence, and obviously, as always, this remains under a cloud of government secrecy, but there are suspicions about other live hijacking drills that were taking place that morning. We know there were scheduled hijacking drills that were taking place just as these events were starting, coincidentally enough. But uh, exactly what scenario and in what way, again, there's a lot of uh, questions around that. But we we have uh, documents on, on the things that were taking place that day and on the many, many, many exercises in the months and years leading up to 9-11 that mirrored the attacks of that day. And it, as I hope, as I hope the documentary goes on to really make the case, this is beyond just a coincidence. Wow, look at that. They were running yeah. hijacking drill and hijackings happened. Yeah. It, it goes to the heart of what uh, one of the, the key operational details of 9-11, which is that, yes, uh, I think most people, I would assume most people who are listening to this can, can uh, go along with the idea that, yeah, there were clearly elements of in the U.S. government and in various corporations and in other governments mm-hmm. and intelligence agencies who had their hands on 9-11. But with a plot like this, of course, when you say that to the average person, they're going to go, that's ridiculous. It would have to involve tens of thousands of people who'd be covering up everything. Well, not if the people who were responding and genuinely responding to what they genuinely believed was happening that morning were confused yeah. to the point where they could not do their jobs. Again, yeah. think about the military who their entire careers are training to respond to an attack on the homeland. Here is an yep. attack on the homeland. So regardless of what you think, not every single fighter pilot, not every single person in the military was involved in 9-11, obviously. So how do you effectively nullify their response to what was going on that day? How do you make it so that they won't get anywhere near what was actually happening in New York or Washington or or Pennsylvania. How do you do that? Well, you do it by confusing the response to the point where it is impossible for the 10 fighter jets that were on hand that morning in the entire Northeast air defense sector to actually respond to anything that was going on or get anywhere near anything that was going on because they don't believe they're responding to four well-defined blips on the radar that they see, oh, these are the four hijacked aircraft that we all know about in this day and age. No, they're responding to 29 potential hijackings. They have no idea. There's all these... Simultaneous. 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 <laughs> exactly. It's, it's ridiculous. And this is why, they, yes, there are real people in the military who really wanted to respond to what was happening, but they could not. And the real question then becomes, well, who planned the exercises. Oh, was it Osama bin Laden in his cave fortress in Afghanistan scheduling NORAD war games or, or, you know, scheduling his attacks to coincide with these classified war games that no one knew about? Was it someone in the ranks of the U.S. military or the defense structure who were a- was able to do that? Hmm, I wonder which is a more likely scenario. Now, uh, Michael Rupert, I remember 
in the in the months and year two after 9/11, I mean, he was the only guy out there talking about the 9/11 war games, and uh, and you know, he came under attack. He fled the country for whatever reason, uh, and then he and he tragically, I don't know if he committed suicide or died or whatever, but he's gone. He's gone from us. But you you do uh, bring in uh, you know many number of references to Michael Rupert, and I appreciated that. Yes, Rupert uh, did a lot of the pioneering work on this and on the money trail. He did some really important work uh, in the early stages of 9-11 Truth. And as he himself cites in his own lectures on uh, the the war games, uh, it was people like Barbara Honiger who first brought his attention to this issue. And then he started looking into it, and he uncovered uh, from that point a lot of the different pieces that he collected in the uh, Crossing the Rubicon book. Um, So that's a valuable resource for people who are interested in this. But... It, it was written at this point uh, 15, 14, 15 years ago. So that yeah, is yeah. slightly outdated information. There's a lot of new different yeah. pieces that have come to light since then. And also, yeah. I think Rupert also, he uh, believed he had uncovered the the, the the hidden key to all of this when he uh, discovered a, uh, a White House press release that had been made uh, shortly before 9-11 that Dick Cheney was being put in charge of running all domestic terror drills, and he thought that this was the missing piece. This means that Dick Cheney was overseeing these war games and exercises. I think he has probably misread that document. Um, It could very well be the case, and probably was, that Dick Uh Cheney was directing something from the Presidential Emergency Operations Center that morning, but I, I don't think the document that he cites is the smoking gun proof that he thought it was. So I, I have my differences with what Ripper did, but clearly he did a lot of the pioneering work, putting a lot of these puzzle pieces together. And that's obviously why I did include him in this documentary, because he was one of the one of the people who brought this uh, issue to attention. And, and at that time, in the very, very early stages of 9-11 Truth, tried to direct it towards towards this incredibly important piece of the puzzle. And unfortunately, as I say, it's gotten lost along the way. And uh, over the past 10 years, very few people have talked about the war games. No, this is a breath of fresh air. The way it, you, you, you put that out there, it's like, oh, my God, this is the real deal. It, it, it's, it's like putting on a new set of glasses, James. You, you, you finally got the right prescription. <laughs> you can see 9-11 a little bit different, a little bit clearer. <laughs> through the context of war games. And these are massive, massive deployments of, of time, energy, expenses, coordination, of, involving every aspect of, of the deep state, all of the branches of our military services, NORAD. I mean, you name it. Everyone was... And intelligence. Um, and intelligence, because uh, uh, the National Reconnaissance Office, as I'm sure people have heard at some point, was running a drill that morning of a jet flying into one of their buildings. Well, that's odd. And of course, they're literally just a couple of miles down the road from uh, Dulles Airport, where a couple of the aircraft supposedly took off anyway. So um, clearly, there was something going on there. And the National Reconnaissance Office, although Again, one of those agencies that has uh, been officially denied it existed for many, many uh, decades. And now we kind of have some little tiny understanding, a little bit of a window into what they do, but not much. But uh, clearly involved in um, the types of uh, operations of satellites that presumably would have been able to uh, to give a different perspective on what was or was not happening in the airspace that day. Um, but they were literally evacuating their building as 
the planes were starting or whatever was starting to happen on that morning. So again, uh, and and you look at the National Reconnaissance Office, who is it staffed by? It's co-staffed by the Defense Department, Pentagon, and the CIA. So again, you find it always goes back to these same elements. And then Pier 92 or whatever it was uh, uh, up on the west side, uh, FEMA had, uh, you know, gathered together all those resources and occupied the pier, and uh, and that's where uh, Rudy Giuliani uh, went instead of going to Building 7. How convenient was that? Yes, um, this was uh, part of an operation called Tri- uh, Operation Tripod that was being run by the New York City Office of Emergency Management, and yes, they were testing what would happen in the event of a big terror attack in New York, and well, we set up this triage center in uh, Pier 92, and yeah, as as Rudy Giuliani went on to testify, yes, this is where we ended up going that morning because, uh, or later that day, because it was it was already set up. And, How and convenient functioned. was that? How convenient was that? Perfect. <laughs> oh my God. Well, James, uh, job job well done, and and you released this on 9/11, the 17th anniversary, right? Yeah, on that day, right? Yeah, that's right. Okay, gosh. Well, feedback. I, I I know you you have your hands in so many pies, uh, but uh, and, and you do to take this seriously uh, when people go to your website and submit a voicemail and stuff like that. You just must must be inundated with with uh, people providing uh, commentary, feedback, whatever. I, that's got to be a, a a nice source of, of gratitude for for the work that you do. Just the personal uh, commentary and feedback. Uh, overwhelming amount of feedback, I would say, uh, which unfortunately, you know, I'm the kind of guy I'd like to be able to sit there and respond to everyone and and correspond, but I just can't physically cannot at this point. So I get a lot of feedback on a lot of different things and a lot of tips about, you know, you should look into this, you should watch this again, unfortunately, I mean, even if I did nothing other than watch the documentaries and things, read the books that people recommended to me, I would never catch up at this point. So it's kind of, it's kind of a blessing and curse of doing this is that there's just too much. There's just too much. Hey, James, given that you're from Japan, uh, give us the perspective of people possibly you've run into over there that may have an interest in 9-11. Are there some frontiersmen out there in Japan that uh, you can have a cup of hot coffee with and share some of this stuff? Well, uh, I'm sure, as you know, being there in the U.S., uh, you know, a decade ago, this was a topic that was still uh, a topic of conversation and was generating interest and uh, generating, you know, people would go to Ground Zero and 9-11 and things like that. These days, not so much. These days, it's yeah. not so much of a physical presence. There are a lot of people who yeah. know something about 9-11 truth at this point, but it is not a movement that's organizing or, or uh, that yeah. people really are talking about in their everyday conversation so much. Um, yeah. Similarly, in Japan, I can tell you that a decade ago, I went to an Osaka uh, truth conference that had been organized, um, okay. which featured David Ray Griffin um, had come and he was uh, giving a lecture and that lecture was being simultaneously translated into Japanese. So there was a Japanese audience there and there was uh, even some, uh, some underground newspapers that were covering it and stuff. I believe there was like a a literally communist newspaper that was sent a reporter there uh, who laughed openly at uh, many of the assertions. So I think, I don't think it was a favorable coverage, but at least it was okay. part of the conversation and there were people here who were talking about it. It was never a huge 
deal in Japan, but there were people yeah. who talked about it. And as you might have seen, uh, it was about a decade ago, there was a member of the Japanese parliament who actually did a presentation on the floor of Japanese parliament talking about Building 7 and, oh. and some of the crazy things about 9-11. And so this has been a, a topic here in Japan. But as I say, that was a decade ago. At this point, it's just not something that most people are talking about or thinking about. And uh, if there is some tiny pocket of 9-11 truth here, I would imagine it's mostly expats, not so much Japanese themselves. Hey, James, I know you're not big into all of this monetization of, of YouTube videos and everything else, but the censorship that's been going on on YouTube, Google, and these platforms, I'm sure it's affected you. Uh, What's your take on this? Is this going to continue or is there going to be some pushback? Well, I mean, that's up to us, isn't it? Um, but yes, it is going to continue. Uh, we have just started to see the beginning of it. And personally, as you say, I'm, I don't monetize my YouTube videos. So the demonetization yeah. aspect of it hasn't affected me personally, although obviously yeah. I know there are a lot of people out there in the alternative media who have been making a living through monetization and who have sure. been affected by this. But um from my own perspective, what is even more insidious is the ways that uh, YouTube and other social media platforms are beginning the soft censorship. The hard censorship, in a way, is almost preferable because if they just suddenly went out and banned the Corporate Report YouTube channel tomorrow, that would generate quite a bit of attention um, from people, at least in the alternative media space. I think it would get noticed and, and talked about. But there's a, a different way of going about censoring things, which is to soft censor, to shadow ban, to remove yeah. certain things from the search results, to age restrict videos. So you have to be signed into YouTube in order to see a video. Um, there's, I, I just heard about a channel that was, that it's, every time they upload, they're getting this notice that uh, their video isn't available in you know, this country or that country, or that country, because it is, it is broken some sort of law, some sort of legal reason they have taken down these videos, but no explanation for why. And so in those countries, you go to this person's channel, hundreds of videos, but the channel is empty. You can't see any of the videos. So this type of thing is starting to happen now. And to me, that's more insidious because it's not that these things are removed entirely. You can't say I'm banned that you can't see it, but they start to alter the algorithms and what have you so that fewer and fewer people ever find this work unless they're specifically looking for it. And the example I gave on my program recently, I have my uh, Federal Reserve documentary that I did four years ago called Century of Enslavement, the History of the oh, Federal yeah. Reserve. It has 1.6 million views. Uh, it, uh, until a couple of weeks ago, if you typed Federal Reserve into the YouTube search bar, it would yeah. be the first result. It was number one. Now, because Chris Hayes of MSNBC tweeted, uh, oh, this is terrible. If you type in Federal Reserve into YouTube, you've got this crazy conspiracy documentary. And oh, funny enough, a, a lot of the people responding to that tweet were like, that's a great video. Thank you for linking yeah. it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. but because he tweeted that out, now you go to YouTube and you type in Federal Reserve, it doesn't appear in the search results at all. It's gone. Um, Are you now, shitting me? Oh, my God. No, it's absolutely serious. If you go and type Century of Enslavement into the YouTube search bar, you can find it. Or if you type in James uh, Corbett Documentary Federal Reserve or something like that, you can yeah. find it. But if you just type yeah. Federal Reserve, as most people would, if they're just looking for information about the yeah. Federal Reserve, they don't see it. 
So that's how things are going to proceed, I think, increasingly so, more so than the hard censorship. It's going to be this type of censorship where, yeah, you can put your stuff out there, but very few people are going to find it. And that's exactly what they want. They want it. Uh, the um, number one psychological operation against the public is always to make you feel like you are weird or you are out there. You're fringe. No one believes what you believe. Everyone else, everyone believes what the mainstream is saying. They can't do that online as effectively because you see how popular alternative information is. You can directly yeah. see it when it's a fair playing field. So now they have to manipulate it to make it look, again, like this is fringe stuff. Oh, hardly anyone looks at that. Oh, that's weird. No, everyone wants to look at MSNBC or whatever. And that's the way this is going to proceed. And that, again, I think that's more insidious because it gives the impression that, yeah, you're not censored. You can say this stuff. It's just no one's going to hear you. James, uh, just what what is your uh, gut feeling about uh, the deep platforming of Alex Jones? It, 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 is that orchestrated? Was he part of it, or is that real for real? Uh, and, and why why such? I mean, such a draconian move, and why now? Yeah, yeah. I I mean, I don't have any inside knowledge. I don't know. Um, so like everyone else, um, it yeah. is again. It is. I, clearly, whatever it is, it is an example, and it is meant to be an example to show people, like, look, if you talk about anything off the wall, you're going to get this treatment. And I think it's meant as a warning. Again, whatever extent, you know, InfoWars or whoever actually wanted that to happen or made it happen or conspired, I don't know. But again, I think that's the ultimate message of this, is that this this uh, first set the president precedent, and then, of course, everyone else will follow. And so I see it as the thin edge of the wedge. And uh, I, I mean, it's demonstrative in a number of ways. I mean, again, whatever you think of Alex Jones, the, Sandy Hook was something that he talked about, yeah, several years ago, but hardly ever in the last few years. But now, every time you mention Alex Jones in uh, among a normie, it's Sandy Hook, Sandy Hook, Sandy Hook, Sandy Hook. As if it's yeah. the only thing he ever talked or he's on some big crusade against the Sandy Hook parents yeah. or something. Uh, they, and this is how it works. This, for example, when. Uh, Mother Jones picked up on that Chris Hayes tweet about my Federal Reserve documentary and started writing yeah. about me and, oh, this Corbett report and doing this crazy stuff. Um, of course, they they caricaturized the Federal Reserve documentary in their own way, talking about how, oh, it was all a, a conspiracy uh, by these Jewish bankers and it leads you down these Illuminati rabbit, rabbit holes and stuff. And they were putting words into my mouth that obviously I didn't say. It had nothing to do with my documentary yeah. and what was actually said in the documentary. But that's what they want to do. They want to set the, uh, the, the agenda and the conversation by saying, this is what this person talks about and you don't believe that, so let's ban them. And I think that's the precedent moving forward is they're going to try to concentrate on things that – Maybe you said once several years ago, maybe things you never said at all, but they're going to try to concentrate on them and get the general public on board with saying that's horrible. How could anyone say that? OK, we'll go along with the censorship. I'd like to think people are smarter than that, but we'll see. We'll see if this type of uh, this, this type of precedent can be set and whether there will be pushback. Just a couple more questions. Uh, you probably have research this or dug into it or whatever, but I, I think your your commentary, your voice, and the way you put information together would be tremendous for a new video documentary about the Clinton body count. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Have you thought of doing something like that? 
I'm not, I haven't specifically thought of it. It is something that needs to be done. And I think, yeah, no one's I think. No ever done it. No one's ever done it. it yeah, doing a, a good, a, a really <laughs> thorough yeah. job of it. Yeah, rather than sort of just gesturing to a bunch of things, but really going to depth. Yeah. I mean, but every single case of that, you could probably make its own thing. I did an entire podcast on uh, Vince Foster death. Oh, I know. And not that, you could spend hours talking about that and the different pieces of that puzzle. So, yeah, it would be it would be overwhelming, but it, I, yeah. I hope someone would do it. It's not on my front burner, we'll put it that way, but it is something <laughs> okay. that needs to be done. I just had an email in from someone asking me if I've ever, uh, if I have some sort of, or if I've thought about doing a documentary on Iran-Contra, but not just Iran-Contra, but all the different things that it leads into, like Gary Webb and the CIA and drug running and oh, all the various oh characters God. involved and banks and all of this. And I'm like, yes, that's something that someone should do. It really needs to be done. It's such an important part of our history. But the idea of doing that myself, and uh, maybe if I get a couple of years off, I'll, I'll do it. So there's no end to things that I can and should be doing. But, uh, you know, again, I just have to pick and choose my project. It's sort of like, you know, I, I watch these videos of, of, of uh, those anthill aluminum art art projects, you know, where they pour molten aluminum down these uh, anthills, James. They turn out to be pretty beautiful, but man, there's a lot of work those ants had to do to dig those little tunnels way, way, way down into the ground and, yeah. and, and getting all that dirt off of the aluminum and brushing it up and, 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 and setting it up. It's a lot of work. These rabbit holes are are very mysterious and deep and, and, and confusing. Uh, well, uh, 9-11 War Games, guys, tremendous job. Uh, the links are out there. Please share it. Spread it across all the platforms. Uh, and, we, and, and we need to support James, his work, James Corbett. Also, uh, James, you're still working with Sybil Edmonds or, or the Boiling Frog stuff. Is that still going on? Uh, not any longer, and people who want the uh, story on that uh, can look at a video I did about uh, a video that Newsbud did earlier this year talking about some researchers on Syria, and I had a lengthy response to that that effectively severed any ties I had to the Levins. And so oh, <laughs> there's a story. No. Oh, well, sorry yeah. And I hope once you once you see the video that I did, you'd understand why um, I can continue okay. along with that relationship. I'll, 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 I'll go look and watch watch that because I have I, I was wondering because I hadn't seen you and Sybil interact in, in 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 some time. Okay, good. All right. Uh, and just well, just for the were... record, for anyone who's looking for that, it's uh, it's called fact checking Newsbuds Syria under siege video, which <laughs> it doesn't roll off the tongue, but that's uh, that's how you can find that, and you can find that on YouTube or on my okay that's that's on your youtube channel okay guys uh guys the website is uh, uh corbettreport.com c-o-r-b-e-t-t report.com very simple it's in our newsletter share the link uh let's just open it up for comments and questions we said we would limit this for an hour uh anybody out there a comment or question for james corbett our guest about 9-11 or whatever we got about 20 minutes left, Fred. So um, okay. I just wanted to, Steve, in the background there, James, uh, who's our producer, would like to know if you've ever interacted with Jim Setzer, who's a regular on our show, as well as James Jaeger. Do you know those gentlemen? Uh, I know uh, Fetzer's name. Um, I don't know Jaeger, and I, I haven't had any direct contact with either of them. 
Yeah, James Yeager's, uh, God, he's put out Fiat Currency, he's put out so many movies. Uh, his new one's uh, Good Guys with Guns. And uh, we just wondered if you knew him. Fiat Empire was his movie. Okay. Okay. I, I, uh, that name rings a bell as Fiat Empire, yeah. so I'm not sure. Yeah, Fiat yeah. Empire was, was his groundbreaking work many years ago. Uh, kind of when Bill still, you know, jumped out there with the Money Masters. That's uh, right about the same time that we got on board with Aaron Russo with America Freedom to Fascism. All kind of came together. But, uh, so, so many people out there putting out great stuff. I, I guess everybody doesn't connect with everybody. <laughs> yeah, there's James, a lot uh, of stuff last, out there. One, one last question, and before we open it up, but uh, okay, you've, you've heard of QAnon, right? <laughs> I certainly have. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on there. There's there's tons of these researchers and video channels. And uh, when you start looking through this, uh, you know, I've, I've got some reservations about the whole thing. But what, what, what do you think is going on there with Q, Q, well, Q on, on or just Q for sure? Well, I have some reservations, too. I'd be, I'd be curious to hear what your reservations are. Well, for starters, uh, in, a, in a Q and on, Q&A with some of these other anons <laughs> on, on his main board, you uh, basically came out uh, a couple weeks ago and said the moon landings are real. <laughs> and it's sort of like, oh, wow, that kind of blows his cover. And, and that uh, planes did, you know, hit uh, the Pentagon or a plane did hit the Pentagon. Like, whoa, where's the videotapes there? It's just like strike two for me. But, uh, I mean, all the other stuff seems legit, seems very, I mean, there's something going on there. It certainly got a lot of, a lot of the Patriots' attention. I know. Yeah, yeah, the Patriots' attention. That's the thing. So, so my reservations, the way that I look at this, I wrote an article, um, almost three years ago now called deep state rising at that time it was early 2016 so before even trump was uh being considered a serious you know presidential candidate or anything it was yeah uh, Yeah. or late 2015 early 2000 around that time i started noticing that this word the deep state was being used more and more in the mainstream this concept this idea that was pioneered by peter dale scott and researchers like that talking about it in relative obscurity to sort of you know normie world for many decades doing pioneering research into deep politics and deep events like jfk and 9-11 and how those types of events relate and the, the secret machinations of the secret team and all of this had been talked about here and there i mean bill moyers did a documentary a few decades ago about the secret secret team or something like that that was it's actually worth watching. I mean, it's it's obviously mainstream, but it's there's something in there. But it had been barely touched on by the mainstream until a couple of years ago. Then you started getting all of these books and articles, and you know, the Boston Globe was running things about the deep state. And I looked at that and I said, that's weird, um, because we've obviously, I mean, people in conspiracy reality have known about this for many, many years, many yeah. decades, even at this point. Yeah. But why is it suddenly becoming this mainstream thing? And I looked yeah. at that and thought, said, well, you know, unfortunately, I'd like to think this. Yeah, I, I, well, I'd like to think this is some great victory for the conspiracy movement, and we finally got, you know, got people to see the light. But yeah. well, maybe well, there's I, something deeper happening here. 
And uh, my, so what I think is ultimately the greatest thing that the deep state could do or the, the, you know, the real manipulators of the political puppet show could do is to get people back on board with the government. Hey, guys, let's, uh, you know, trust us the all. government, trust the plan, trust the government, trust the great guys in military and intelligence who are yeah. fighting the deep state. And I, I, I absolutely blown my mind over the past year or two to watch so many people who you would think would be the first ones to question these events and what's going on are now literally following something that's main takeaway is trust the plan. And don't worry, guys, there are, you know, don't worry, there's, there's good guys in, in the NSA and FBI and whatever else that are fighting the deep state and they're going to take care of you. It is insane to me that this is happening, but it is just another sign. I didn't need another, but here is another sign that the people who are the, you know, the real social engineers who are puppeteering society many, in, in many ways are really quite profoundly good strategic thinkers. They really know how to push the right buttons and get people who would be their biggest enemies to be actually their biggest allies. So now you have all these people, once again, loving the government. It's just that, oh, no, they love the good guys in the good parts of government, not the, you know, not the deep state who they're taking on. So I think, you know, my, I think it's a PSYOP, and I think people are being led down a, a garden path here. Um, anyway, that's my take on it. Yeah, I, I kind of share, share your reservation there, James. Uh, Kind of a funny anecdote today, and then we'll open it up because uh, I know we're going to limit it for an hour. But today, I I was driving a lady from downtown Chicago. Uh, you know, and, and I said, you know, the hearing is on, and I and we listened to the tail end of the hearing, and then I was able to talk about uh, Kavanaugh's connection to the ruling and the We the People Foundation, the right to petition lawsuit. Well, some of the whole nine yards of some of my activism and my naivete many many years ago. And long story short, this lady comes out and says she works for the federal government. <laughs> and, and, and she works for, actually, the OIG, the Office of the uh, uh, Inspector know, General. Uh, Inspector General. And it was a great conversation. And I, you know, I, just, I said, boy, the small world, you know, the deep stater. I had a deep stater, nice lady in my car. <laughs> But uh, I, I thought of uh, I thought of you coming on tonight, and the context of nine eleven and all the other deep yeah, stuff, yeah. the rabbit hole stuff. But oh my yeah. gosh! Well, listen, anybody else uh, comment or question? Uh, just the star six your phone uh, or anyone just step in. Maybe he's. Uh, he's I do, Fred. You unmuted. Yeah, yeah. I do. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, James, appreciate your work and all your hard work and your research. Um, just had a question. Are you following uh, American intelligence media, uh, Phil McConnell, uh, Americans for Innovation, Michael McKibben, and Leader Technologies? Are you following any of that? Uh, Phil McConnell, I've, uh, uh, memory serves, I interviewed him at one point. But the other names that you mentioned there are not familiar to me. Hey, Jim, uh, you still there? Yeah. Um, uh, well, you might want to check out uh, Leader Technologies, Michael uh, McKibben. Mm -hmm. um, he, his company was the, uh, apparently, and they're claiming that they're the ones that created uh, 
the platform for social media to work and that it was stolen. Um, they, I think they've, they've gone all the way to the Supreme Court, have they not, Fred? Yes, they have. They've spent 18 years in illegal courts fighting for their technology, which was stolen by Circo. This is Leader Technologies. What was the name again? It's Leader Technology, and it's Michael McKibben. Uh, it's the founder, and they are the ones that invented the whole platform, and uh, it was all stolen from them by the time they patented it and given okay. to Facebook and uh, all those pieces. So it's extremely uh, it, Very interesting, because it brings to my mind the uh, the promise uh, technology uh, software that was stolen um, from uh, his name's going to escape my memory at the moment, but uh, stolen by the, the State Department and then used by intelligence agencies and became the the P-Tech the software that might have had a role in 9-11. And it, a similar thing, this oh guy's been God. in courts for decades <laughs> trying to fight to get his own software back from the State Department. Oh my God. Um, yeah, what's, hey, Didi, what's that act? Is it the Miller Act? Uh, it's where the they Miller Act. They well, it's the Miller Act. Trump. It, yeah, it's it's a it's a it, it's an act that is 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 a legal act, and Trump can sign it, and it gives back all of the the rights to the technology and the money that was made using it illegally. Um, it's what's the term? It's thing is intelligence property or something like that that they took away from the leader group, and they're brilliant people. Amer- Americans for Innovation is their blog spot. And we've learned a lot from them um, about what's going on on a, on a, on a lot of deep levels. But, uh, yeah, if, if Trump signs that Miller Act, it gets the technology back to the leader group's uh, board and their te- technicians. And then they want to take 51% of the money that's returned to them to fund uh, free and compete with mainstream media. They want to fund for, get the free programming back in America, free news, alternative news, truth news. They want to put it into uh, uh, journalistic formats that are controlled by AVID right. and other groups. Yeah, so it's pretty significant. And, and were it to happen, it would just be – and Trump's all over it. He knows all the details of it and everything. He's been informed by yeah. uh, innovations Yeah, and, and the uh, uh, American underground – I mean, American um, – Intelligence media is the one that, that Jim was talking about that uh, shows a lot of this stuff on their on their sites. Really good okay. stuff. We can, uh, Jim, I'll send you all those links. So I'll have Dee Dee and Jim send me the links, and I'll forward that to you inside your contact page. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Great. Uh, Sam Cross, are you out there? You one question only, Sam. If you're there. Sam had one question. Sam or anybody else? I have a question. Yeah, who's that? Kelly. 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 Are there, ahead, disinfo, Kelly. Are there disinfo conspiracy topics out there to muddy the waters and or is there disinfo nine eleven videos put out by the tax money by the deep state? Uh, is there disinfo put out there to muddy the waters? Absolutely, of course. Um, now, what is the disinfo and what is the real info uh, creates the fights that in, in and of itself may be part of the disinfo campaign. I say that because one of the things that got a lot of attention several years ago was uh, about a decade ago at this point was uh, Obama's, uh, what was it, information czar or whatever they called it. Um, uh, oh, God, what's his name? I know his name. Um, 
who put out a, a, a paper. He wrote a paper many years ago about cognitive infiltration. And his idea was, you know, what we should do is rather than putting out, you know, our our response to the conspiracy theorist kind of thing in some official release. No, 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 no. What yeah. we need to do is we need to undermine these conspiracy theory groups by going in some undercover, if need be, we'll pretend to be one of them. We'll insert yeah. our agents in their, in their midst and we'll just start to question what it is they believe. And we'll start to insert our own narratives and blah, blah, blah. This is called cognitive infiltration. Cass Sunstein was the name of the guy who, who wrote that oh, yeah. paper. Yeah. And yep. uh, this got some atten- a lot of attention, actually, in the 9-11 Truth Movement. And uh, if I recall correctly, David Ray Griffin actually wrote a book about that. So um, this idea has been out there for, I mean, obviously, I mean, I, even people in the JFK movement, you know, decades ago knew that there are people in the JFK movement who are spreading this info and money in the water and what have you. But here we had an actual, you know, a White House staff who was writing about infiltrating 9-11 truth groups and conspiracy theorists and all of this. So we know that exists, but here's the interesting part of that that not a lot of people consider. The release of that paper itself is a form of cognitive infiltration because its immediate effect was to get everyone saying, well, you are not saying what I believe about 9-11 or whatever else. Therefore, you are cognitive infiltration. You're the government, man. You're a Fed. You're a shill. You're blah, blah, blah. What it does, it drives the wedge even deeper between people who disagree. As I say, again, the 9-11 truth movement, you would think everyone at least agrees. Well, we know the official story is a lie, and we all have our different theories and perspectives on this or that piece of evidence, but we can all agree they're lying and we can prove it. But because that wedge gets driven on those key issues, oh, you know, you don't agree exactly what I believe about the, you know, the way that building came down or whatever, and it creates divisions among people who should be cooperating. And that, my, uh, I think, is one of the most, you know, insidious ways that this functions. So yes, disinfo is out there, but even going around and calling everyone disinfo is a, is a disinfo tactic. That's literally the playbook from the 1950s that the FBI was using with COINTELPRO. One of the things they did was insert people into various movements and then start whisper campaigns. Oh, you know, that guy who's in charge of that group is, you know, he's whatever. I mean, they, they used all sorts of smears. He's, he's actually an agent, blah, blah, blah. The people who went around calling everyone an agent were themselves often the agent. So <laughs> I think focusing on disinfo and what's disinfo and trying to call it out is itself a game they want you to play. The real important point is to know for yourself the things that you can prove 100% and can verify and get to that rock bottom truth. And then from, from that point, putting that truth forward is, I think, the goal. Rather than try, trying to focus on the disinfo, which of course is one of the things they want people to be doing, chasing your own tail, looking for disinfo, calling out everyone else as a shill and blah, blah, blah. And you'll notice that's why I don't spend my time calling out this shill and, oh, you know, yeah. oh, this guy has to be expunged from the No, I just put forward the things that I can verify. Here it is. You know, take it or leave it or, you know, maybe you can debunk it or you disagree, whatever, that's fine. But I'm going to put out my truth. I think that's the that's the way forward for us. What topics would you ignore and not waste time on besides QAnon? Any other like well, uh, many, many, many topics. Not necessarily that I ignore. There are some like like QAnon. I, I don't ignore yeah. it, but it's just I don't get into the the weeds of it because I I see a bigger perspective on it. But there are subjects like that. Um, there are things that I just that just aren't part of what I'm doing. Um, 
whatever. I mean, something like, yeah, the moon landings. I, I just don't get into the weeds of that because I'm, it's just not the, the issue that I'm focusing on. Uh, it's okay. not to say there's nothing there. It's just it's not something that I'm focusing on myself. So some of it is just based on my own interest, and some of it is things, yeah, like whatever. I mean, shape-shifting reptiles or take it from there. There's a lot of things that I'm just not going to bother looking into. Okay, one yeah. more quick one. What do you think of so- the Solar Observatory and Pizzagate? <laughs> the Solar hey, Observatory. Hey, that's, that's two. That's two. You're yeah, that's two. <laughs> yeah. Well, we got the Solar Observatory story. Yeah, I just, many, Kelly. Can, I, okay. can I just ask him one question? Oh, go, ahead, yeah, go ahead, Betty. Betty okay. Kelly, go ahead. I, uh, I, I had a series program on public access. And I would love to get uh, some of your material on there. Uh, would that be okay with you? Oh, yes, 100%. All of everything I do is creative comments. Um, so it, please do spread it around, remix it, publish it, you know, change the title or whatever you have to do to get around the algorithmic sensors. Uh, put, put it on public TV, whatever. Whatever you have to do, 100%, that's okay. The only thing I ask is that you... Uh, either link to or mention the the sources of what it is you're using. Oh, yeah, that, that we always do. The, the, yeah. In fact, the station Fine. requires that. Yeah. Uh, the uh, sometimes, I mean, we we get some of the things off of YouTube, but with uh, sometimes there's a problem with quality. Mm-hmm. So, uh, is there any way that there's a per- person that does the uh, links for me for the public access? And he likes to get like I think I'm not big with computers, but the, like a first generation type link. Yep. Uh, Is that possible? I, I generally have the the 360p version available for download from my site, which is not the high quality. Uh, YouTube generally has up to 720p, or at least that's what I upload in. So that's generally what I produce things in. If there's something that you need higher resolution for, I do have DVDs of my major documentaries oh, that again yeah. people can, can get. Or if there's some specific thing that you need, you can email me. Oh, he can do it now. from DVD. That's the best, actually. Yep. Hey, Ben, so, I'll give you. I could. Uh, how can I contact you? Uh, there's a contact form on my website. Give me the address, and I'll give it to James inside his contact page, Betty. My address. Yeah, I'll, I'll get it to James. Uh, uh, whatever address you want me to send, just send me an email, and I'll pour, forward it on to James. Okay, that would be great, and I definitely would donate, you know, to be able to get those. Okay. Yeah, send some in, send some info too, Betty, on on what you're doing there and where and stuff. That'd be great. Yeah. Okay. Okay, we'll do. Okay. okay. The last one, last one to the top of the hour. Al Jordan. Al Jordan, if you're there, see you uh, I'm 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 here. I'm here, but I'm I'm just wondering. What is the end point to um, all that's going on in our government now? What's the, what are they going to do? What are they trying to accomplish? What's 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 the uh, I guess okay. The big 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 picture um, goes back fundamentally to the quest that all tyrants have had throughout all of human history, which is to be world rulers. And what that means in our day and age is different than what it would have meant, you know, thousands of years ago when you're thinking about Roman Empire emperors or what have you. But it's essentially the same goal. I mean, it's control over as much of the population and the resources and the events that are happening as possible. And unfortunately, we're in an age where the technological tools that tyrants can use have gotten to the point where the idea, that quest for 
ultimate control is getting closer and closer to reality. And it sounds like science fiction type of stuff when you start getting into the idea of, you know, eventually we're all going to be having brain chips because why do you carry around a phone that you can drop or lose or get stolen or whatever? Just put the chip in your brain and you'll be constantly connected to the internet. I mean, it's going in that direction and we can imagine all the other ways that it's going in terms of, uh, I mean, the, the driverless technology. So you're just going to go get in a, a car of some sort and it's just going to take you where you want to go hopefully right and you're going to be wearing right. a brain chip and you're going to be communicating with everyone all the time and oh you're going to get genetic upgrades here and there and all of this crazy sci-fi stuff is coming into view and of course every single one of these technologies brings with it vectors for possible control the people who are providing the technology can always insert their back doors or what have you to more fully control the population in whatever way. And you can think of all the different ways that can happen. If you get in the driverless car, maybe it won't take you where you want to go. Maybe it, you know, it knows you're working on a secret report that'll expose something about the deep state. So it takes you to the police station to, you know, get charged, or maybe it just explodes like uh, Michael Hastings or something. Michael Hastings. Or again, every single one of these technologies, you can imagine how it can be hacked or backdoored. So that I think is ultimately where things are heading, where they want it to head. And we are heading down that path right now. And it's our decisions right now about what technologies we use and how we implement them that are going to help speed that along or put some sort of you know, obstacle in that, that path. May I ask one more question? Sure. What impact, what, what impact will the blockchain have uh, over money supply and government since it seems out of the control of both the banks and governments? They're not, they're not able to control it. And, and they, they try to attack it, they try and take it down. But the block infiltrating every aspect of our money supply and government. And in fact, the, the governments themselves and the bankers are actually implementing blockchain inside their own organizations. And they seem to be sabotaging themselves because they like the technology so much. What's your opinion about that? Unfortunately, I think rather than sabotaging themselves, I think they're trying to commandeer and hijack this technology, which fundamentally is about decentralized peer-to-peer -peer exchange, basically eliminating the need for the banks at all, central banks and private banks. I mean, we can yeah. be our own bankers now with this technology. Obviously, they don't want that to happen. So I think they're trying to subvert this technology. Yeah, of course, they are going to use blockchain to facilitate their transactions, you know, across borders and what have you, but they don't want that for you and me. We're going to get, if, if they have their way, we're going to get some watered down version of this. And there are a lot of things to talk about with regards to this and the technology and things like the lightning network. And well, if you have off-chain settlement, that's going to be a very different system than if you have on-chain settlement where it can be private to some extent at any rate, as private as anything online can be, and, and decentralized and peer-to-peer, -peer, we're moving towards these things where, no, you'll be trusted because you'll sign up for blah, blah, blah. And of course, they want to regulate all the exchanges and all of that. So there's points they can put so that the average person, rather than going through all the technological hoops and hurdles to really be, try to become decentralized and peer-to-peer, -peer, are just going to go along to get along, and it's going to become just another tool of the bankers. That's what they want to do. They want to subvert this. And so uh, I did a, uh, a podcast episode on what Bitcoin really is and, uh, you know, oh, what, nice. what its significance is called the Bitcoin PSYOP. Just type that into a search engine. Hopefully it will come up, but you can obviously go to my website and just type in Bitcoin PSYOP. And it, it's about that fundamental idea. We're heading down a path that's about to force. Awesome. And one of those paths will be towards controlled, centralized 
non real not really blockchain and the other will be towards the decentralized peer-to-peer economy and i know the bankers are going to try to steer us down the wrong path and, and, and all, all, all roads uh, lead to the deep state like the yellow brick road and the wizard of oz is all one happy <laughs> one happy family guys uh james thank you so much this is the end of the hour guys we promised james one hour Thank you so hey, much. I have one. Uh, co- I have one question, Fred. No, Sam. Right, we're not going to take one, one Fred. Sam, oh, Fred. <laughs> okay. One only, Sam. Okay, I really want to okay. go into this. Go ahead. Hey, what's your take on going? What's going on in the Middle East? It'll take an hour. <laughs> <laughs> That's a pretty broad question. I, I, he needs to go too, Sam. So we might yeah. have to wait on that one. Well, that I can direct hour. people. Look, I can direct people to my website. I, I have talked about a lot of different aspects of what's going on in the Middle East. So uh, if you have a particular country or region in particular, you're thinking about type it into my search bar. I've done a lot of work on Iran and Israel and Saudi Arabia and Yemen and things like that. So just type it into my search bar and you'll find some of the podcasts I've done on that. Again, I could I could talk for 100 hours about what's yeah. going on in the Middle East. <laughs> yeah, I know. Thank you so much. Top of the morning to you in Japan. Thank you. We'll, we'll, we'll look forward to following your work. 9-11 War Games is the new documentary. Please get it out. Provide a link to his website, thecorvettereport.com. Thank you, James. Appreciate it. James Corbett, founder of The Corvette Report. Thanks for having me on. That's the end of the show, guys. Thanks, James. I gotta get, I Thanks, gotta get James. <laughs> you guys okay, Fred. Thank you, Fred. I, and Good night, you're Fred. You're not going to be, be there tomorrow, right? I mean, next week. Uh, what did you say, Fred? You're not going to be on the show next week, right? No, but we're going to have Rebecca Campbell on, so you're going okay, to have to. Okay, Rebecca's still it. good for next week. Okay, sounds good. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Okay, Fred. All right. God bless. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. A-U-N. American Underground Network. Awesome. Okay, all right. I'll open up. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. (gasps) No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.